This is my first podcast for 2011, and it's on a subject I've been uh, hoping to speak about and uh, delve into and think through a little bit for uh, several years. It's a subject so close to my heart and to my whole um, uh, avocation of public speaking and uh, thinking and uh, crossing over some boundaries that I'm uh, very charged up about it. So I'm delighted that it works out to be the very first for uh, the new year of 2011. And the subject is journey. Now, I used to say uh, very uh, heartfeltedly that the um, what I would ask uh, a group of people is the greatest rock and roll group of all time. That is, what rock and roll group in itself summed up and therefore concluded and completed and resolved the entire history of rock and roll music, after whom or after which after the um, efflorescence of this remarkable team of musicians, popular music in its rock and roll form, under its rock and roll heading, was over. Nothing more could be said, and anything new that was to be said would have to be said in an entirely new musical medium. I would ask that question... Sometimes it was similar to when I would ask in presiding at a wedding, I'd ask a group of people, what do you think is the secret of a happy marriage? And actually, every so often, uh, people would take me up on it in the wedding, in the formal church setting, and volunteer something. They always got it wrong, by the way, or at least they would never say what they were truly thinking, what the secret of a happy marriage is. But in any event, when I would ask this question, what group, in your opinion, sums up, resolves, and concludes in its very existence and output the entire history of rock and roll, such that nothing more could be said after this group had been finished? There's sort of a thoughtful pause, and usually uh, people, actually, if they answer at all, uh, say the Beatles. Or they might give me some very arty, uh, you know, arty answer, like the talking heads or something like that. And um, there's a pause, and like a person in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a showboat, uh, a comedian, I give it a little uh, time, and then I say the answer to the question is journey. Now that draws a laugh, especially from the uh, men uh, in the audience. It, it has actually drawn such a laugh that it's become a kind of an easy uh, prey to get a response because it sounds like a an hilarious thing to say. And the um, odd thing is that when I answer my own question with the word journey, I mean it. I actually mean that journey, that is the sort of 1977 to 1985, 1986 uh, ballpark rock group uh, uh, journey with uh, Neil Schoen and Steve Perry and Jonathan Kane and uh, Ross Valori and Greg Rowley and Steve Smith and others, but primarily the, the sort of the heartbeat for it from uh, most, uh, most of our fan point of view is Steve Perry, the vocalist, Neil Schoen, the guitarist, and Jonathan Kane, who was also part of the songwriting team at the very height of the thing, although not exclusively by any means. Anyway, I say it, and, and people don't think I'm I mean it. 
They think I must be putting them on, and I'm not. I actually mean that after Journey, rock and roll couldn't go any further. And in Journey, rock and roll achieves its complete summation. Now, for many people, that is an absurd statement. And of course, part of it when I say it is that you have to be a little bit of a creature of irony, uh, an irony that is fun, irony in the service of humor and a laugh. Because um, irony for me uh, makes it possible for the speaker on the one hand <clears throat> to say, yes, journey is the only possible answer to the question. And at the same time, to be absolutely just on the floor with laughter at the possibility that anyone would say that. Because, you know, if you want to get serious for all of a second, Journey's massive popularity, it's kind of summation of a sort of middle class uh, um, young uh, teenage boy, but non-heavy metal, so it included both sexes and, and was not strictly a cultural phenomenon of a set of people, but was kind of a whole uniting thing in its sort of early 80s American MTV and other contexts and sort of brought the whole world to a stop. Um, and, and yet also Steve Perry wore a, a, a white, white tie and tails, or at least a long white coat and dressed in white initially. I mean, the, the, thing, the thing is so laden with possibilities for laughter and and the song titles and the you know stone in love uh, still they ride um, uh, hopelessly devoted uh, parenthesis the party's over uh, the whole thing is able to be so lampooned and so sent up and so outrageously uh, overblown and romanticized and a creature of a kind of vast oceanic uh, projection uh, that that at the heart of it is kind of nothing uh, that that the statement has in fact a layer of irony so on the one hand it does amount to nothing to say that the that the summation and the resolution and the climax and the uh, sine qua non beyond which there was nothing new to be stated is journey is you see what I'm saying it, it's both true at least from my point of view and it's ridiculous and therefore it's wonderful I mean think in your life how many things are both true and ridiculous I mean you could say you know I'm a I'm a I'm a great lover <laughs> uh, that's both true and it's ridiculous from any point of view or rather let's put it this way it's ridiculous and the moment that you confess that it's ridiculous it becomes kind of true um, there are so many uh, things in life that are absurd and yet absolutely the case. I was um, a wonderful uh, uh, person in our congregation uh, on James Island, just outside of Charleston, South Carolina, many years ago, uh, said uh, with such conviction, uh, she said, the reason I like your sermons is because you know what I mean when I say that House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price is the greatest movie of all time. She said, you understand that, that when I say it, I mean it. And yet, you know, and yet, I mean, I would, I would say the same thing. I would say that the, uh, in, in some ways, the greatest movie of all time, I could easily say is Premature Burial, 1962, directed by Roger Corman and uh, 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 with uh, dear old Ray Russell and Charles Beaumont writing the screenplay and Ray Milland and Hazel Court. I mean, I could, I could say that and mean it with all my heart and yet also say, you know, I'm also out of my mind. Uh, you bring, uh, and I am, out of my mind when I say it, and yet I believe it with absolute conviction, and yet, and yet, and yet. Uh, so much of life is, a, is not an either-or, but it's a both-and. So I'm telling you, and I hope you'll get 
interested in journey. And I hope you all be want to go back to your old CDs or go on YouTube or go on to Amazon as a result of this. And I hope you'll plumb the depths of, of absolute pop epitome here. And at the same time, realize this is in service of the absurd and the whimsical. And isn't that great? I mean, didn't Thomas Carlyle uh, describe uh, his uh, very enigmatic and uh, brilliantly, um, uh, shall we say, nuanced, although the word has become so over used today. Shall we just say the layered character of his professor hero in Sartor Resartus from the 1830s, uh, did he not say that the most uh, uh, absorbing thing about uh, uh, Professor Diogenes Teufelsdruck in, uh, in Sartor Resartus was his odd lack of logic and his strong tilt towards the whimsical? Well, this is a little bit of whimsicality for the podcast, and I hope you're going to love it. Now, let me just put to bed one criticism you're going to have as you listen to what I say about Journey. And then when I say a few things, because I'm going to convince myself and hopefully you that Journey's agony and its ecstasy is in fact, is in fact what I claim it to be, while at the same time you may be laughing up your sleeve. I hope you're not, but I sort of think you will be. But I'm going to convince myself and possibly you that the claims being made for Journey are true and accurate. And I hope you're going to go back and listen. But people say, well, Paul, the thing about your podcast whenever you are, are doing music is you got to put in clips to illustrate it. You have to you have to actually make your point when you talk about the animals or the kinks or in this case, uh, in this case, uh, a journey, but it's generic. I could have almost answered that question. I almost could have been a fill in the blanks. But let me just say, journey, you have to give us some, some links. And I would say, uh, well, that may be true. Uh, I don't really know how to do that. But I really don't want to do it because then it's going to be didactic, like I'm sort of trying to prove something. And the whole exercise here is to make a kind of a kind of straw man uh, that you yourself can sort of emotionally, intellectually, and humorously respond to to any extent you will. I hope you all follow through, but I'm not going to do it for you, and I'm not going to sort of make a case uh, because, in fact, the music uh, is so available and it's so fun and it's so delightful. And maybe you all be as interested in in what I say about these familiar songs or how I bring them to light for what it's worth, like bringing a little uh, gold nuggets out of a out of a a swirling stream or or something uh, very powerful in the middle of junk, uh, maybe y'all uh, y'all just hear it uh, in the voice that it's meant. And then I will conclude with a little bit of uh, the question, does it really make any difference that Journey ever lived, that Journey ever was? But that's going to come at the end a little bit about, does anything make any difference? And what is your life? What is your, if Journey makes no difference, does your life make any difference? Or rather, if Journey still makes a difference, maybe your life can still make a difference. I mean this, but let's let's just talk for just a minute about journey. <clears throat> just so you know uh, what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm going to read initially from the uh, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle of Monday, June the 28th, 1982, uh, which sort of gives a flavor of what we're saying here. The article was by uh, Joel Selvin, and it's entitled Journey's Home Run in Oakland. After Saturday's show by the superstar band Journey at the Oakland Baseball Park, rock concerts in the Bay Area will never be the same again. In a masterful triple stroke, sound, staging, and video, Journey instantly antiquated all other baseball park productions and set a new standard in the rock concert arms race. 
Soon, everybody will be doing this. Right now, only Journey does. And then Joel Selvin gives a fascinating and uh, rather actually um, uh, not overly exuberant uh, portrayal and criticism, uh, but overwhelmingly positive reception of Journey's concert that had been given on Saturday night, I'm sure the 26th of June, 1982. And here... um, we have uh, the end. The eight-hour show, by the way, which had included um, The Tubes, uh, Toto, and Gamma. The eight-hour show, however, belonged to Journey. By the time the band left the stage, memories of what had occurred the afternoon earlier seemed as far away as a concert held last month. Then he goes on, Journey is often criticized for playing safe, conventional music. Not daring, challenging, or risky. But that band has sculpted a personal style, blending mid-tempo rhythms, shown stunning guitar work, and a carefully balanced vocal blend topped by the piercing voice of Steve Perry that the quintet continues to improve and refine with each passing year. It is music designed to appeal. After Journey's two-song finale, Lovin', Touchin', Squeezin', and Any Way You Want It, Nailed down by a riveting repeated guitar line from Schoen, there was no doubting the music's persuasive power. Journey has conquered. Others can only follow. Well, now, isn't that something? I mean, did you know that? Would you have said that? Could you have said that with Joel Selvin in the early days, the first blush of this remarkable coming together of things? Now, what is it that that, that makes a journey uh, so quintessential and therefore uh, uh, summing up of all that is appealing in music? Uh, you have first and foremost, and here I'm coming uh, with uh, something, you have Steve Perry's arresting phrasing pitch, tone, timbre, reach, and drama. That voice, uh, you know, there are words for it, that voice of Steve Perry's at his prime, and he was really in his prime from the the late 70s to the mid-1980s, that voice just cuts to the heart. It is operatic. It is perfect. There is nothing ever wrong with Steve Perry's interpretation of these remarkably, no, bombastic is a negative word, persuasive lyrics, and I'll talk about the songs in just a minute. Um, Then you have uh, the guitar uh, beauty, uh, soaring, uh, lyrical, but shall we say melodic guitar of Neil Schoen. He just has an almost... Uh, pitch-perfect approach to everything he does. And he was very involved with the music, as was Steve Perry. They wrote the songs, assisted by others, but they wrote most of the songs. The the songs, the the guitar work, the... uh, the arrangement, and we have to credit so much of this to Neil Schoen, who began with the group long before Steve Perry uh, came along, the so-called Portuguese cousin, as he was referred to initially. And then a little later uh, in the lineup, you had Jonathan Cain come in, who had an absolute ear for the romantic 
power ballad, as well as these hooks uh, with lyrics that he and Steve Perry together and the mix of the whole band could produce hit after hit after hit after hit. So that's the soul of a band. They uh, Perry's contribution comes in, a 78, something like that. They do a great deal of work. They come to the very height of international and especially American popularity. They more or less go their separate ways in 1985, and they come back in 1986, and then there have been a, uh, for a, for a final, um, I think it was called something Fire. I, m- I remember getting that CD and thinking, oh, this is so bad. And it is so great. Um, and then uh, there was a substitute, and then currently there's another substitute, and it's a lot of YouTube following. Uh, but in an odd way, they've kind of uh, disappeared. Now, I'm going to comment on that, but first I'd like to just uh, go through the songs so you can actually uh, go uh, into um, uh, the the work, which you probably have in your CD collection. And if you don't, it's very easy to get. And uh, uh, just let's go over some of this music, some of these zany and amazing and gut-wrenching titles uh, which Journey produced. Uh, the first uh, 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 production with Steve Perry, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm having to go both from reading, from memory, and from loving, living, touching this music over the years, is Good Times, the old Sam Cooke song. Good Times is a fabulous cover of an old song in which Steve Perry really begins to, to go. And then they did any way you want it. That's the way, you know, remember these are teenage boys. They, they, someone said to, to, to them once, to Steve Perry, uh, it may have been Steve Perry who said this, but it may have been Jonathan Cain. They said, look, write for, the, write for your bass. Write for the people who like the music. Write for the people who, 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 like, who like Journey before Journey even became huge. Write for the people who are, who are there and not for the people who aren't there. That's a great principle in all uh, art although it's poo-pooed and uh, dismissed by many, uh, take it or leave it. It reminds me a little bit of um, uh, in the James Whale-directed version of um, Showboat from the year 1936. Uh, the, um, the father, Captain Andy, uh, played by Charles Winninger, is coaching his daughter Noli, played by Irene Dunn, uh, to sing properly before the crowd of, of louts and uh, the ho- whole collection of odd ducks who were there on the showboat in uh, late 19th century America on the Mississippi to hear a kind of musical. And uh, he keeps saying, smile and play to the gallery. Play to the people who are there. Play to the people who've come. And he keeps encouraging her to do that. And she finally gets the idea, and she does. And she ends up being a great star. Um, They decided to actually... Um, respond to the people that were listening to them. Uh, this is what a preacher does. That is to say, he or she doesn't doesn't uh, uh, cajole the material uh, and shape it purely for the reception. But as Kerouac used to say, the 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 child in you resonates with the child in the listener, and uh, that's your it's the dog whistle. Remember the dog whistle. You blow the dog whistle deep down, and other uh, dogs have uh, the ears to hear it. And they come running. Well, they begin to write songs, Journey does, for the people who are listening. And what's interesting is everybody ends up relating. Uh, there's not a person between uh, 16 and actually 70 or more who can't relate to Journey's titles any way you want it. Uh, they sang a, an incredible song called Line of Fire. You look that one up. And then Lights, the lights on the city when the lights 
go down on the city. And that was really the breakthrough for Steve Perry. It's an amazing lyric. It's about uh, San Francisco because they're a, a Bay Area group as it, they came to be regarded and were, uh, although they, they had many origins. But um, Lights uh, became their first great ballad with that shown guitar line that is so beautiful right from the start. And then they came in with Lovin', Touchin', Squeezin', and that's, uh, 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 again, we're talking late 70s, but getting to uh, the turning of the decade. Uh, that's a, a just medium rhythm, medium beat, I think it's called. Uh, and it just takes you. And, you know, it talks about two teenagers who are loving, touching, and squeezing. But, I mean, you know, um, who, who doesn't want to love, touch, and squeeze and be loved, touched, and squeezed? It, it, is, the, it is the origin, both for, the, for all. It is the old man river of... Of the happy uh, libido, unencumbered uh, by guilt, uh, that creates this massive response to love and touch and squeeze. And, and he doesn't sing so, so seductively as he sings just beautifully to get you in the in the in in the mood of what that song is saying. They did a song. Uh, I have the live version of it called Dixie Highway. That's a. I mean, isn't it ridiculous that that Journey should write a song called Dixie? highway about the the road as they saw it from Detroit uh, down to Memphis. Maybe there was such a thing, but in any event, it's funny to hear them singing it. Uh, but it's got a real chugging, different kind of beat that that gives uh, uh, that just massively rocks the house. Then you remember another breakthrough, Wheel in the Sky, which sort of touched the sort of turning east of American life. Nothing's changed. It's just getting more. But Wheel in the Sky had that kind of, again, that kind of cosmic area that people love. And I'll just live, uh, list a few of their other songs. You can look them. The party's over, Paren. Hopelessly in love, and a paren. I mean, any song that has a paren, the party's over, paren, hopelessly in love. I mean, anybody listening to that is going to understand and live into that song. Don't stop believing. You know, people used to say that the song Smoke Gets in Your Eyes hung over Brooklyn since its release and that it still hangs in the kind of air over sections of Brooklyn. I believe that myself. I, I don't think it's gone away. Uh, but many would say that Don't Stop Believing is in that category. It is, an, it is a song that will never go away. Our son uh, Simeon uh, underlined that the other day. That is the kind of song that, and now it's back because of Glee and because of a number of other uh, places where Don't Stop Believing is a kind of bringing together of people uh, uh, optimistic, hopeful song. Uh, it's become more of a classic than ever in 2011. Uh, but you just can't help but play that song again. It never gets old. You can listen to it today. You can listen to it every 10 minutes. You can listen to it 10, every 10 minutes forever. It's like the movie Harvey. You can see it every week and you'll never get tired of it. It's like the movie The Last Days of Disco by Whit Stillman. From where I'm sitting, you can uh, see that movie once a week or once a day, once a week for sure for the rest of your life and always be happy. I once uh, told a bosom friend we became blood brothers over the question of whether we would see together uh, the 1935 Bride of Frankenstein once a year for the rest of our lives. I honestly think we've lived up to that and more, but whether we have or not, only we know, but 
Um, this uh, light bride of Frankenstein, uh, don't stop believing, is something that you'll never stop really being connected to. Um, Stone in Love, which was actually stoned in love, but they changed the lyric. Uh, ridiculously, stone in love. I mean, there's so many possibilities that that could conjures up. And, and when the lyricists of, of uh, Journey get going, uh, they're artists who are also not particularly into systematic interpretation or verbal meanings and so their songs are open wildly to panoramic interpretation stone in love well uh, keep on running who's crying now these uh, these are the slow ones that are still uh, uh, they're very romantic and they're uh, very true open arms listen to open arms and your arms will open and not close mother father sister dreamer that is uh, uh one of these songs that is so good that it's bad or maybe it's so bad that it's good but we haven't separate ways paren worlds apart separate ways paren worlds apart i gather that members of the band were going through divorces and terrible times in their romantic life and uh so they wrote separate ways paren worlds apart <gasps> <gasps> That is an amazing song. Send her my love faithfully, the eyes of a woman, which, of course, is a very strongly maternal display song. But, hey, what the heck? It is great. Be good to yourself. You know, I used to listen to that song and say, this is the this is the essence of everything I don't want to be uh, in in terms of theology. Somebody else has to be good to you, not be good to yourself. But when I listen to it now, it's just don't we need to be good to ourselves? I mean, whatever one thinks about uh, the righteousness from outside, the justitia aliena, uh, the passive righteousness of the human being, and these are all words from Christian theology, which I believe. But nevertheless, is there anything really to be uh, harmed in saying be good to yourself? Only the young ask the lonely and finally my personal favorite from their final album before their um, reunion album uh, which Steve Perry produced which was called uh, Raised on Radio there it's not a girl can't help it is not a um, a cover of the famous uh, song that we remember from uh, from Frank Tashlin's uh, glorious song uh, movie with Jane Mansfield uh, um, uh, Girl Can't Help It Girl Can't Help It is completely different and uh, it's a different song and it's just perfect journey. Start there. Everybody start there. Don't listen to anything else go on YouTube or uh, go on iTunes and listen by 99 cents whatever it is or maybe more I don't think so. Listen to um, Girl Can't Help It and you'll notice that Steve Perry does an amazing thing an absurd thing and a wonderful thing he, he uses the English A he says Girl Can't Help It and then at another point, he used stand. He says standing instead of standing. Why did he do that? Why did he say girl can't help it? it it's just a, a bizarre uh, a choice that he makes in the studio. And he repeats it and repeats it and repeats it. Uh, see what you think. See what you think. Girl can't help it. Okay, I've, uh, I, I hope you won't stop believing now. And I hope that on the basis of this very brief uh, little summary of the, uh, of the, uh, the summary that uh, Journey itself embodies of all that is good rhythmically, vocally, guitar god-wise, harmonically, production-wise, beat-wise, memorable hook-wise, and also 
absolutely pure and unguarded and unrequited but unchecked emotion. I hope that you will agree that the case has been argued, proven, and perhaps even accepted. That journey from good times to girl can't help it from 1977 to 1986 is within its very incarnation of the divine love action of the universe. The summary, the quintessence, the distillation, the condensation, the completion of all rock and roll music and nothing more could be said. Now, my final uh, word on this first podcast of the new year, 2011, and, uh, and uh, they're really back. Uh, there are all sorts of ideas teeming through one's mind that I hope you may get interested in as we move forward through the month. But I do want to say, does it actually make any difference that Journey existed? I say it. Does it make any difference that Journey ever existed? Because not all that long ago, someone I know's sister uh, was uh, in a bar in a southeastern city. This actually happened, and it happened quite recently. And uh, she was talking to a fellow she met in the bar, and uh, she's much younger than I. She's recently, I guess, probably graduated from uh, college somewhere. I don't even know that. But let's just say someone uh, I know's sister was in a bar in a southeastern city, and she was talking to a nice fellow. And uh, he turned to her after they'd just been uh, starting up a conversation. And she said, well, now, he said, uh, do you know who I am? And she said, no. And he said, I was the lead singer of Journey. It was him. And her first question to him was, what's Journey? Now, that actually happened. Do you know who I am? No, I was the lead singer of Journey. The response, what's Journey? Well, you may say that could never have happened. Well, it did. And I am telling you, uh, because this is the nature of old man river that keeps rolling along, the love, energy, action, flux, Heracleitean, pre-Socratic movement of God, uh, time, chronos, and reality past us. Uh, it has taken journey, and uh, they have uh, been taken down the river, and they're out in the ocean now. And today, you would be amazed at how many people who are young, who have no contact with Journey. Now, that is amazing. You and I know, because I don't stop believing, that in fact that's not entirely true. The songs will never change. Journey's work will never be wiped out of the world, we hope at least. And uh, we have this remarkable testament and this uh, beautiful, uh, wacky, wonderful uh, summary music. But it is also true that does it make any difference that Journey ever existed? Did they ever exist? Was there a BP oil spill? Because believe me, in five years, you will ask someone, well, where were you at the BP oil spill? And they won't know what you're talking about. Just as today, where were you as the tramps sang so wonderfully in the disco era when the lights went out? Where were you when the lights went out, the famous New York blackout? No one will remember it, not a soul, in a certain point. And that is what happens. Now, does it matter that Journey existed? Well, to me it matters. To me it matters very, very much that Journey existed. And um, 
I invite you, whether you're ironic, whether you think this is fatuous nonsense, whether you're already on board, whether you've been convinced, or whether you want to dip your toe in the water, get back into Journey, and you will have the best week of the entire year. Thank you so much, and I will come in very shortly with another new and hopefully really fun podcast. God bless you all.